This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We have got just an incredible show in store for you tonight. Earlier today, I had a 45-minute energy roundtable with four very, very special guests. We had Congressman Kelly Armstrong on. He's on the Energy and Commerce Committee in the House. We also have the president of the North Dakota Petroleum Council, Mr. Ron Ness, um, the CEO of the EERC up in Grand Forks, the Energy and Environmental uh, Research Center, Charlie Garecki, and also the chairman of what's called Empower ND, and he's also the Commerce Commissioner of the great state of North Dakota, James Lehman. It was a phenomenal conversation, folks. I think sometimes we don't fully, at least I don't, I should say, I don't want to speak for you, but fully appreciate just how outstanding the great state of North Dakota is. And so the topic today really was, I mean, there's a lot of things, but really was talking about the future of energy development, especially under the Biden administration, and how do we position North Dakota to be the best in the world in developing clean energy. So again, it's a 45-minute conversation. We clearly cannot play it all in tonight's show. We're going to share as much as we can with you tonight. So here's part one of that conversation. The future of energy development and how do we position North Dakota uh, to really lead in this arena. And I want to say in this context is this, is that Chevron recently says, hey, uh, we may not be an oil first company in 2040. You've got the CEO of BP suggesting that oil demand may have peaked in 2019 um, because we've been an oil company for 112 years. This is a moment we've got to reinvent the company. He goes on to say society as well as our employees, they want us to change. They need us to change. He's obviously talking about clean energy. So, Congressman Armstrong, you're on the Energy and Commerce Committee. We're going to start with you. Just where do you see the future of energy development going, especially under this administration? And how do we position North Dakota to be a leader? Well, I think the first thing we have to recognize is regardless of what we do in the North Dakota oil patch, North Dakota coal country or wherever, the world's going to burn more of this in next year, whether we reduce uh, the economy in North Dakota or not. And that's just a fact. Um, we cannot legislate on emerging technology. That's Charlie's job. That is private industry's job to develop these programs. But I think we need to deal with this based in reality. And whether it's oil, whether it's natural gas, hydraulic fracturing has actually reduced carbon emissions worldwide. And we have to continue to tell that story. Uh, there are ways, right? More fuel efficient engines, uh, fuel efficient windows, carbon capture. There are all kinds of different things we can do. But the reality is, is we are going to be a fossil fuel based economy for the foreseeable future. My concern is that even though we know all of those things in 10 years from now, we're still going to be utilizing these products. What does it do to North Dakota businesses and North Dakota communities in the meantime through bad bank policies that simply will not work? <laughs> And Ron, that's where I want to get your take on this. Uh, there was a piece that came out today, a new study where China now is going to make a 6.4, yes with a T, trillion dollar energy transition. They want to transition and transform their energy to be energy independent. There's a novel idea, but also be you know net zero emissions by, say, 2050, 2060. I know right now we export oil to China and whatnot. Um, so what's the future of oil under this current administration? And when you see that kind of news coming out of China? Well, Chris, I, I think the, uh, you know, we have to look at certainly what consumers want and consumers demand. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, what's the, what's the political science component of it? What's the reality science and the science itself? And then what can we do in North Dakota? And I think 
uh, this legislative session. You're probably seeing more discussions and more reactions on a number of the folks on this call today, uh, Charlie and the Commerce and, and the Empower Commission and others, looking at a way, how can North Dakota elevate itself? How could we make a, a cleaner ton of coal? How can we make a cleaner barrel of Bakken and oil? How can we improve our wind energy efficiency, make our ethanol, uh, the preferred ethanol component in the United States? We're in a point in North Dakota where we have the opportunity to do those things. We have investments through the Legacy Fund, a lot of legislation trending that direction. And it's not just about what, what certainly we're capable of doing, but what's the future hold for technology and better ways to invest in order to make North Dakota satisfy that demand curve of a cleaner energy source in the, in the future. And that doesn't have to be what we consider today a, a renewably clean, because I think at any point when you scale up those technologies, you begin to run into issues like we saw in Texas, uh, what we're going to see in terms of just land use on, on scalability of wind, scalability of solar. Those are big challenges that those industries have to face. Meanwhile, we can't leave 800 years of coal in the ground forever in North Dakota. We can't leave one of the top 10 oil fields in the history of the world in the Bakken undercapitalized and underdeveloped. So those are great opportunities for us as a state, and we need to we need to look ahead. Uh, but certainly oil and coal and, and all of our energy resources are needed and critical. So, Charlie and James, I'm going to bring you here in a moment. I've, obviously, I wanted to do this roundtable for our audience to be able to ask questions and things of that nature. And Ron alluded to how do we do this in a clean way. So, Charlie and James, we'll get to that in one second. I guess for you, Congressman Armstrong, a gentleman on YouTube is saying, hey, Congressman Armstrong, do you see reducing costs as a key to North Dakota producers in 2021? And I want to add to that, Congressman, what's interesting is that you see oil starting to go back up into the 60s, and yet there's only 15 rigs that are doing anything right now in the state of North Dakota. Yeah, so I will just say, you know, the efficiencies that we created in the industry in 2015 in the last slowdown really kind of we're we're about as lean and mean as we can get right now. I mean, there's always emerging technology and reduction of cost. But, Chris, I'll just be honest with you. I think the cost, particularly for North Dakota and the transportation discount, um, we're worried about it going the other way. Uh, you, you're going to shut down Keystone XL. You're going to have a fight on Dapple. We're dealing with all of these different issues. We have to make sure that not only are we competitive as the single best energy source and, to be honest, the best shale oil in the country, uh, but we have to be able to compete against other shale plays as well. So, uh, you know, there's only so much lower you can bring costs. And we've done a really good job of reducing those over the last 10 years. I'm more worried about whether or not we're going to be able to compete in a global marketplace, given some of the transportation challenges we continue to face. And those are all coming from D.C. They're not coming from North Dakota. <laughs> I was going to say not just the transportation, but the regulations and all those other things. So, James, let's go to you for a moment, if you don't mind. And just um, I think some people may have heard of Empower ND, but now as the Commerce Commissioner, you're also the chairman of Empower ND. If you can give people an idea, sort of a, a big picture of what that is exactly, how it fits into positioning North Dakota to be a global leader in energy development, um, and then how do we produce cleaner energy here? Well, thanks for having me, Chris, on the show. Um, so Empower ND was created by then-Governor Hoven in the legislature to basically provide an industry-led um, policy advisory group to the state legislature, as well as to, um, to some degree, uh, to inform sort of federal efforts. And so Empower ND is effectively and all of the above energy approach where the petroleum industry, renewables, uh, gas, lignite, et cetera, everybody gets together and comes up with solutions uh, for, from a policy-driven perspective to make this state uh, as energy uh, growth postured as possible. 
Um, as far as the efficiency component is concerned, what's really unique about Ener or about Empower ND uh, is more or less, uh, I'll piggyback off, off of Congressman Armstrong as well as uh, Mr. Ness in that um, we're seeing trends. Uh, we're seeing a regulatory environment that doesn't look necessarily optimistic for us. But at the same time, we prefer a much more aggressive and innovative approach. And as Ron mentioned, uh, in this legislative session, we're looking at very uh, unique tools coupled with the input from industry in the Empower uh, Committee, or Commission, if you will, so that we can make the appropriate investments so that we can grow the energy pie. Um, it's not a zero-sum game in North Dakota. And although we have what appears to be a very difficult situation, there are a lot of opportunities as well, given the agility, the quality of the crew we have, um, and where we can work with uh, our federal partners uh, in the coming months and years, uh, the fewer of these uh, transportation and regulatory issues we hope we're going to have to worry about. So that's what Empower ND does. It informs policy, but also works with the legislature to develop the right tools uh, to propel various sectors within the energy industry forward. Good stuff. Some of these uh, emails, if they're getting a lot of emails, but James, uh, one person says here, hey, thank you for trying to make Western North Dakota's quality of life better. Uh, you work hard, so that's nice. And then, Charlie, let's go to you, sir. Um, I'm going to bring up a graphic real quick in a moment, but let our audience know that I had a chance to visit with Charlie last week. And then just maybe for all of you, I just want to show you how, how amazing it is that North Dakota seems to many people to be sort of this hidden jewel, and yet the things that we are doing from technology and production and all these things to really lead in energy development. So, Charlie, um, I'm going to have you describe for people that may, may not be as familiar with the EERC as like myself should be. And then how do you see us creating more clean energy? Before I do that, I want to make it easy for you because today there was a bipartisan bill introduced regarding uh, CO2 capture. They want to put $4.9 billion with a B dollars uh, towards investing in that. So, Charlie, you're up, my friend. Thanks, Chris. So the EERC is a non-teaching branch of the University of North Dakota, and we're focused on uh, solving those challenges that uh, energy and environment has, uh, and we're doing that through technology. Uh, North Dakota is a, an energy powerhouse. So we we're the number two producer of oil. We have 800-year supply of, of coal. We have uh, abundant um, renewables that are going on in the state. And, and one of the things that I've been talking to a lot of people about recently is especially with things that have happened in Texas and other places, is that we don't have to choose in North Dakota between clean and reliable. We have that ability here with a technology development to be able to produce our oil and our coal <clears throat> and do it in a carbon-free way. So things like carbon capture, utilization, and storage, that thing you just uh, popped up, an infrastructure bill. We've been working on that technology for a couple of decades now, and we're on the verge of commercial viability. And I think we'll see uh, several projects coming online shortly where we're taking carbon dioxide off of the ethanol plants or carbon dioxide off of coal plants, storing it in the subsurface uh, so we're producing carbon-free electrons or carbon-free ethanol, or maybe even taking that carbon dioxide to the Bakken and producing a lower carbon barrel of oil at the same time as we're producing uh, low carbon electrons to our grid. So we don't have to choose here. We can do, we can have that all of the above energy and produce reliable power that is uh, carbon-free. So for the people post, posting comments and questions, we'll get to those in a moment. Continue to please uh, boost those. I guess, Charlie, the question is you talked about, hey, we're close when it comes to the, you know, utilizing the carbon capture and whatnot. We had Senator Hovind on recently. He said between maybe 12 to 24 months. Is that a fair time frame? What do you, what do you what say you? Yeah, I believe that we're going to see our first commercial projects uh, coming online 12 to 24 months. That's about appropriate or about accurate. 
some of the low-hanging fruit, the easy to capture from the ethanol facilities, and then maybe a little bit behind that, um, we're hopeful to see Mencota move forward with uh, Project Tundra, where they would be capturing carbon dioxide off of the Milton R. Young power plant in your center in North Dakota, and then producing that carbon-free electron uh, um, after that uh, carbon capture is in place. It'll take a few years for that carbon capture plant to be built uh, once it's the final investment decision has been made. But we have the technology to do that today. It's all about having the right policy uh, and framework in place to be able to produce that power and have it compete into the marketplace. All right, stay with us. Part two of our energy roundtable is coming up right after this break. As always, you can please share your point of view with us. Email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back. 